Welcome to the Homeschool Show, dedicated to viewing home education and all aspects of life through the prism of God's Word. Thousands of families are experiencing the educational freedoms and challenges of teaching their own children at home. Now here's your host, veteran teacher, homeschooling dad, author, speaker, award-winning film producer, and president of Piedmont Education Services, Greg Munger. Welcome to the Homeschool Show. I'm glad you're with us today. I'm your host, Greg Munger, here on the Homeschool Show, where we talk about home education in particular, and along the way, look at all of life through the prism of God's Word. We're going to talk today about a biblical philosophy of home education. Specifically, is there a biblical mandate for homeschooling? And are Christians who do not homeschool sinning against God and His Word? Uh, What is the main purpose and goal of education? What are the four parts of biblical education, and how can we pursue them today? And to help me with that, uh, in the studio today is Reverend and Mrs. Derek Bowman. We're glad to have them. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Derek is pastor of a small Bible-believing church, Calvary Free Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Georgia. That's on the north side of uh, northwest side of Atlanta. Right. And Lydia, his wife, is also the mother of their three, almost four children, and uh, expecting here in a couple months. And they're doing. Uh, she's been homeschooled all twelve grades, all the way from kindergarten. Yes. All the way through, through all the way through high school. But there's another reason they're on the show today, and because they're my children. Actually, my uh, daughter, our youngest daughter, and the son-in-law. I'm glad to have them on the show today to help us with that philosophy, the biblical philosophy of education. So let's jump right in there, and uh, let's talk about, is there a biblical mandate for homeschooling? Many homeschoolers use Deuteronomy chapter 6, especially verses 4 to 6, to say that there's a mandate for homeschooling. And of course, that talks about uh, hear the word of God and love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul and all thy might. And these words that uh, God says, which I command thee this day, should be in thine heart. And then there's verse 7. Here's what many homeschoolers use to say that there's a biblical mandate. And thou shalt teach them, that is God's commandments, diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine house, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Okay, let's ask the question, is this a biblical mandate for home education? Derek, why don't you talk about that? Well, I guess my answer would be it is a biblical mandate, and at the same time it's not a biblical mandate. It is a biblical mandate for parents to take 100% responsibility for the spiritual education and the spiritual welfare of their children. So also at the same time, it's an indictment to many homeschoolers, if the truth be known, because the admonition is given to fathers, but yet in the vast majority of homeschool situations, the mother does basically all the work. Right. And the father's not doing that biblical mandate. Um, but at the same time, to be fair, I believe it is a mandate for parents, for a mother and father together. I think we have the example in Scripture of Timothy, who was taught the Scriptures by his mother and grandmother. And from what we read in the Scriptures, his father was an unbeliever and was not desiring him to have a spiritual education but his mother and grandmother stepped in and did that Um, but is it a biblical mandate to only have homeschooling in the home and the other question you asked a while ago are christian parents in sin if they don't homeschool their children i would say the answer to that is no but if you look at that biblical mandate of parents having the responsibility to teach their children the scriptures to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, as it says in Ephesians 6, then in my mind, 
homeschooling is the absolute best option. In my mind, I don't see how that can happen in a public school setting. In a Christian school setting, it might happen, depending on the Christian school, depending on the doctrine that's taught there, and depending on the teachers, the administration of that school, and how well a parent is proactive in overseeing all of that when the child comes home every day. It can be done in a Christian school, but I say it's still difficult. And in a homeschool, I say it's much easier to accomplish. Absolutely. So in this particular part of Scripture, parents, and particularly the fathers, are commanded to teach the children first by example and then certainly by precept. Uh, This passage also seems to teach that God's Word is to be the subject of conversation throughout the day and taught in every aspect of life. Lydia, how difficult is that or easy is that to do? Well, it's quite difficult, but by God's grace every day, that's definitely our desire. And I think every godly parent's desire is to see that our children know that we walk with the Lord day Mm -hmm. by day. And whether it's actually sitting down and doing book work or um, we are telling them scripture stories or talking to them about the word of the Lord, whatever aspect um, of our daily life, we need to show them Christ and live and talk of him. Um, And I think with respect to fathers in the home, um, the more that the father takes the active role of doing that, it sets the tone for the whole family and for Christ dwelling in that home being the central aspect of the home. So what we're seeing then is that the scripture, uh, while particularly may not be an absolute mandate for only home education, it certainly speaks to that uh, fact that they're supposed to be from the parents uh, doing the main work of teaching. All right, let's go to another passage, uh, Derek and Lydia, and talk about Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a good passage because it talks about that we are not going to hide from our children uh, the, uh, and, and to the generation to come the, f- the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works that he hath done. And it talks about the fact that in verse 5 that God has established a testimony in, in Israel. He's appointed a law, a commandment to the fathers. There's that point again that the fathers should be doing the teaching Uh, should be actively involved, although they don't have to do all of the teaching, but that uh, they should make known to their children so that the generation to come might know these truths. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. And, uh, well, Lydia, from your point of view, in fact, you all are doing your part to uh, populate the world (laughs) and uh, rear up a godly seed, as the scripture says there. Uh, Do you find it easier or harder to do this biblical mandate for Uh, teaching your children by example, precept, uh, teaching and things of the Lord throughout the day, Uh, every aspect of life. Is that easier or harder as it goes along as you have more children, as you have babies and as you're expecting and uh, soon to be delivered in a couple of months? Uh, What's been your experience now that you've several years? I think both would be true. Um, At the beginning, you are very unsure of yourself. Um, I felt like, you know, am I teaching them the right things? Am I, are we as a father and mother um, going to teach them everything they need to know and as you go along you get more um, secure in the Lord teaching you Mm -hmm. and then you teaching your children Um, but at the same time there is still that aspect of Lord I want my children to know you and that has to come by God's grace and there's no matter of um, no amount of our instruction or teaching that will give them the Lord for themselves. They have to come to Christ themselves. And so I think the easy and the hard are both together, even with the more children you have, you know, we're expecting our fourth now and 
that makes the homeschooling a little more complicated when you have a toddler running around and you're trying to homeschool too and then soon a baby in arms. That makes it quite complicated at times, but it's, um, it's a juggling act that the Lord gives grace for every day. And a little later on in the show, we hope we talk about some of these specifics of how do you do homeschooling. But right now with, uh, uh, let's see, what's the oldest? Nolan is uh, seven? He'll be seven this summer. Be seven. So he's doing uh, late kindergarten, first grade, some second grade work. Mm-hmm. Uh, homeschooling, as you do, you do uh, kind of a broad range depending on the child's needs. Yeah. Uh, but you also have uh, uh, the next youngest son. What's he, five? Yes. That's Hudson. And then little Maggie, uh, two? She's two. Two. And then the baby coming. How do you keep all that straight? Uh, put them, put one in a corner or lock duct them in tape. a jail? Duct tape. <laughs> right? use duct tape. Derek uses duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's his philosophy. Yeah. Chain them to no. the chair, <laughs> wrap the duct tape around them. <laughs> all joking aside in that area, um, we, really have stri- um, we really strive to include all the children in the schooling, whether um, they're you know a little toddler or first or second grade, whatever we're doing. Um, I try to have something that includes all of them. So if we're studying geography, um, we'll have a simple coloring sheet for Maggie that is part of, you know, Europe that she can color and then something a little more complicated for Hudson. And then Nolan actually has to see the map and name places. So I think with homeschooling, you have that aspect of a freedom to include all the different ages together. Mm -hmm. And in a home setting like that, you can fulfill your responsibilities to all your kids by including them all together. That's very good. And Derek, were you going to uh, add to that? Your your children learn things and you don't even realize it. That's a good thing and a bad thing. They learn bad things without you realizing it, but (laughs) they learn good things as well. I guess it was about maybe six, eight months ago, we're riding in the car and somebody said something. And anyway, Maggie, two or barely two at the time, rattles off her numbers one to 10, counts one to 10 just as good as any of us would do. And Lydia and I looked at each other and we thought, where in the world? She, how'd you learn that? But she learned it because Lydia has all the kids sitting there and sometimes it's crowd control, but still they're picking up things and they're learning things along the way. And you can't expect Maggie to know everything Nolan knows and you can't expect Nolan to know everything we know, but they get it along the way. And so you're doing this kind of thing throughout the day. And that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you're there, you're impacting your children on a daily basis, uh, regularly, even as a father, you get to work some from the home because you have your, your sure. study right. in your home. And uh, so you're able to uh, holler at the kids or holler at the wife or, <laughs> or whatever. Or we what? text message each other in oh, the Oh, text message. Okay, well, that's the <laughs> technology-savvy way to do it. But uh, whenever Lydia needs something, does she come to you for help in that regard? or when there's an? Yes, yes, she does. We, we try to tag-team things. I'm not necessarily there with the flashcards or the mm-hmm. writing the ABCs for everything, but... It's things that we discuss in the evenings on occasion and as things come up, uh, get together with things. But I wanted to go back to something you said about that passage in Psalm 78 sure. about raising the next generation. Okay. Uh, in church history, one of the biggest indictments that can be leveled against especially Reformed churches, but I don't think Reformed churches are exclusive in this, is a failure to evangelize their children. Mm. You can look back during the time of the Great Awakenings, Uh, during the time of Jonathan Edwards and some of the other men early in American church history. And you learn that there was a failure to evangelize the children. Uh, This is by no means the fault of a view of infant baptism, but some people, especially that hold that view of infant baptism, they fall into this danger of what some have termed presumptive regeneration, where you basically assume that your children are 
following the Lord, you assume that your children are saved unless they show you differently. Well, it's very easy to grow up in a home and learn the rules and learn that if I act this way, I don't get in trouble. If I do this, I do get in trouble. Well, I don't want to be in trouble, so I'll do this good thing. So the parent then just lets the child continue on and never really presents Christ to them, is not faithful in explaining to the child their personal need of a Savior. You know, they know the Bible stories. They can right. tell you about Jesus on the cross, and they can tell you, you know, every Bible story that there is in the Bible. But being brought face-to-face with their own sinfulness and brought face-to-face with their own need of a Savior, I believe is something that many parents and, at the same time, a lot of churches have failed in. So it's a great need to always, even in discipline, present your children with the fact of their sin. And if you identify something as sin, then there's a remedy for it. Uh, I, I remember a professor in college who used to make the statement, if, if we talk about character flaws, the Bible has no answer for character flaws. There's no forgiveness offered for character flaws. Right. There's no forgiveness offered for mistakes. The only thing the Bible offers forgiveness for is sin. So once we identify our children's bad behavior as sin, well, then it can be dealt with in a biblical way, and they can be directed to Christ as the only remedy for sin. And I think that's something that gets overlooked in a lot of circles. Even in trying to raise the next generation for the Lord, there's a huge emphasis on character. but And academics. And, and academics. Right. But what about Christ? What about a need for a relationship personally, even as a little child, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, that carries over and then into the main purpose of our education, of our teaching. And we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we'll get into that. You're listening to The Homeschool Show. Be sure to listen to us, thehomeschoolshow.net. Well, welcome back to The Homeschool Show. I'm glad you're with us here on The Homeschool Show. We're talking with Derek and Lydia Bowman about a biblical philosophy of home education. In our last segment, we talked about, is there a biblical mandate for homeschooling? And while we don't find in the scripture a particular specific mandate for home education in and of itself, we rather did see that there is a very strong biblical mandate for parents to teach their children, to teach by example and by precept, to make God's word the subject of conversation throughout the day in every aspect of life, uh, to, as we saw in Psalm 78, maintain a multi-generational faithfulness, and to tell the young people about the Lord Jesus, about their need of the Savior, and about the Christ alone can meet the need of the heart and the life and bring them to heaven. And that brings us then to really what is the main purpose or goal of our education, in particular homeschooling. Uh, There's one statement, Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary says that education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline, which, and he gives four parts, enlighten the understanding, that's the academic part, correct the temper and form the manners and habits of the youth, that'd be the second part, the character training, and fit them for usefulness in their future stations. That's preparation for the, for the future when they're older. And then he says, to give a child a good education in manners, arts, and science is important, but to give them a religious education is indispensable. In other words, all of this, academics, character, future preparation, all should be having a biblical foundation. Derek, do you, do you see that that fits in with the Word of God? I, I definitely do. I quoted the verse earlier from Mark chapter 8, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? but then loses his soul. And I believe that's what Noah Webster is getting at in his definition there. There are things of this world that are legitimate to gain, and education is one of those things that we would say is 
quite necessary to gain if you want to be a productive citizen in society. Mm -hmm. But the biblical mandate for parents is not only to raise children to be productive members of society, but also to be productive members in the kingdom of God. And I would say you can't be a productive member of society unless you are a productive member in the kingdom of God. Yes. So, Lydia, how do you teach that on a practical level with your children on a day-to-day basis? I think the basis that you have to start with is knowing the Word of God. Knowing the Scripture. And that every day, applying it to your life, whether it's how do I treat my brother or my sister, or whether it's how do I respond to my parents' instruction when I don't want to do what they have to say, or something even uh, you know, a bigger scale for older kids. I, I'm talking mainly with my children who are younger, but those little aspects of everyday life where you're training them in the understanding of what the Bible says and how that the only way to fulfill the roles that God has given us as men and women in society is to learn scripture, to apply it to our lives. And for our children, that is the basis of everything that we should be doing with them. Yes, that's right. Uh, Exodus chapter 10, verse 2 says that we're to teach our children what God has done for us in redemption. And uh, homeschooling is an excellent way to do that. Uh, when you send your kids off on the bus to the public school or sometimes even the Christian school or private day school, uh, they may not get that. Uh, they might, as you mentioned earlier, might learn bad things from children that uh, were unintended. Uh, but homeschooling is an excellent way to do that. There's also uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy is understanding. How do you teach the fear of the Lord in day-to-day life and homeschooling and that kind of thing? Lydia? Well, I remember one of our teachers from college said that the fear of the Lord is living in the awareness of God. And I think every single day teaching to our children that the Lord is there, he sees what you are doing, and he knows your heart, and he understands you, he understands your frame, he knows that you are but dust, You know, all of these scriptures that day by day we instruct them in. And then in the practical ways of whether it's let's do this work to the glory of God. I so many times a day quote to my children, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Are you doing this math page to the glory of God? Or are you sitting there grumbling and complaining? (laughs) And It's hard to do and it challenges myself as I say it to my kids. Sure. But those are the practical outworkings of the word of God. And we as believers will see and understand more fully in our own lives as we're teaching them to our children, which I think is also an aspect of the generational. Mm-hmm. Multi-generational yeah. generational faithfulness. That also would apply when uh, in the evening, I know you all have a family Bible time, when dad reads the Bible and discusses it and asks the kids questions and you sing songs of various kinds of uh, scripture songs and uh, then you pray. Is there any continuing teaching? Derek, you don't do a lot of the day-to-day teaching of the subject so much, but you do. Uh, you are involved in Uh, particularly in that Bible aspect, aren't you? Well, sure. Yeah. The family altar is something that I think is missing in a lot of homes. Mm -hmm. Definitely needs to be restored. Uh, Something that pastors need to take up as a matter of preaching and instruct people in their home how to do it. I preached a message just this past Sunday night at our own church, uh, basically from the first question of the catechism. What is the chief end of man? Mm -hmm. Well, If it is true, and I believe it is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, then we learn that that chief end is all-inclusive. We can't segment our life and have a Bible life, a religious church life, a work life, a play life, an entertainment life. 
every aspect of our life has to be headed toward this goal of glorifying God and enjoying him. And we do our family Bible time in the evening uh, simply because our lifestyle and the way it works, it's the most convenient time to do it. But it is kind of that cap of the day. And our children go to bed with that as the last thing on their mind. That's wonderful. That caps the whole day. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, We are going to carry on next week with uh, Derek and Lydia uh, here on The Homeschool Show. I want to thank them for being on the show with us today. Don't forget, you can always visit us on the web at thehomeschoolshow.net. Read our blog, listen to the podcast, ask an expert. Please join us next time as we again look at home education and all of life through the prism of God's Word here on The Homeschool Show.